And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with another conversation. I'm hoping that will help your business grow. So LinkedIn, we all know it's there. I don't think many people know how to use it. It's Facebook for business people. It's a great way to make a great impression. And it's also a great way to make a terrible impression. So in order to demystify some of that, I've brought in some help people. Now, before I introduce today's guest, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. With me today, I've got Scott Aaron. Now, Scott's a coach. He's a best-selling author. He's a speaker, and he's a podcaster. He's out of Marlton, New Jersey, which I learned earlier is basically a suburb of Philadelphia. So uh, <laughs> anyway, without further ado, Scott, welcome to Startup Hustle. Matt, pleasure and an honor to be here and looking forward to a great conversation. Yeah, I am. I am as well, especially on this topic. And we're going to talk about the power of LinkedIn. Now, before we get too far into that, if you want to learn more about Scott, scroll down, click the link in the show notes, or you can go to scottaron.net and Aaron's a-A-R-O-N, as we will say. That's the boy the boy spelling, if it's a first name, right? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's scottaaron.net. Now, all of this said, why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory before we uh, dive into the power of LinkedIn? Yeah, the, the long and the short of how I, I got to LinkedIn was actually 23 years ago. Um, my, my father is also an entrepreneur. And I learned a, a lot of what I know about entrepreneurship from him. But also, I, I, my journey in entrepreneurship started in a very unorthodox way. So my father uh, got involved in some bad business dealings when I was a senior in high school going into freshman year of college, that by the time my freshman year of college ended, uh, it landed him in federal prison for two and a half years for insurance fraud. Oh, wow. And in that time period, my, my father had purchased a, a failing gym in downtown Philadelphia, which was then turned over to me as a sophomore in college. So I was growing a business and going to school at the same time and had no clue how to run a business, lead, lead a team uh, or any of that. But I kind of had to learn on the fly and I fell in love with people. I loved health and wellness. Uh, within that first two years, I got my certification in sports nutrition, personal training, and group fitness, grew the member uh, membership by 4x. So we was about 300 when I took over and 1200 by the time my father came back. We opened up a second location in 2002. And then in 2003, we sold both locations to another family for a million dollars. So at uh, the age of 24, I became a millionaire, took a year off just to train, and then in 04, we opened up a third and final location. But the only problem was it had to be personally financed by me because my parents didn't have any credit left because of his past. And I didn't really know what that meant. But five years later, I did because I was then $1.5 million in liability debt. So literally came full circle, uh, five years going from millionaire to being over a million in the hole. But I, I continued to move forward got into online marketing in 2013 in the form of network marketing. It was a health and wellness company that still exists called Isogenics because I was tired of sending people to GNC vitamin shop and bodybuilding.com. And I said, I have this whole network of people that know, like, and trust me. And if I back something and it works for me, it could work for them. And that was spurred from a question that a friend of mine asked me and he said, listen, if you get sick or injured and you can't perform your job, what would you do for income? And that was one of the scariest questions that I've ever been asked. And that was 
kind of trigger the whole like, you know what, I need multiple streams of income. The average millionaire has four to six streams of income. And I had one. I grew a very, very successful online uh, wellness practice, um, amassed close to $400,000 in the four and a half years that I built it. But a big shift came in 2015, 2016. Number one, my gym was failing. It was holding me back. And I needed to make a decision to get rid of it. But the only problem was I was the personal guarantor of the lease, which meant I was financially responsible for every dollar that was owed on that business, which was another $450,000. At the same time, I launched a coaching practice that was teaching people how to build and create genuine connection, build an authentic brand and grow income using LinkedIn the way that I had for the business that I was growing. I realized that I struck oil and I realized that I was solving a problem that a lot of people have, which is not generating leads. So they can't have conversations. They're not having conversions into their business, which isn't leading to income. And I solved that problem. But my problem was I still had this gym hanging over my head. I went to my attorney and I said, here's the deal. Here's my situation. What do you suggest? Now, the gym at this point was losing about $3,000 a month. My two other businesses were thriving and growing, but all of the profit was being funneled back into a failing business that, in all honesty, Matt, was my dad's dream, not mine. So my lawyer said, listen, you got two options. You can continue to funnel money, or number two, you file for personal bankruptcy and move on. So on July 1st of 2016, just about four years ago, I filed for Chapter 7 personal bankruptcy. 30 days later, closed the gym which was July 31st, and I haven't looked back since. And why LinkedIn was so powerful for me is because I realized the art of human connection can never be automated. So you see all the software and all the auto messages and auto connections, and the person that speaks to the most people organically is always going to win, and that is exactly what I teach people today. So now before we get too far into this, and this is a, I'm really looking forward to this topic because I use LinkedIn for a whole lot of stuff. Um, and I got a lot of do's and don'ts. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, but for a, a little, uh, some, for a little foundational, here's some statistics for you people. So LinkedIn has 610 million members of which 303 million are, are monthly active users. And 40% of those visit the site daily. So people are there, they're doing a lot of stuff, but there are some things that you need to do to prepare to have to be taken credibly or to be taken seriously or to appear to be credible. Uh, if you've listened to this show a lot, you've heard me use the phrase, you need to look like you're in the business of doing whatever it is you say you do. Um, and that starts with the way a profile looks and the way that you're presenting yourself. And that's the first thing on your list, correct? It's like, and, and look, it, what did your mom told you or your dad or someone told you said, hey, look, you only get one chance to make a good first impression. Yeah. So in your practice, is, that, this, is this where it starts? Well, absolutely. But just to kind of piggyback on what you said, facts are friendly. And everything that I teach, everything I train on. So what people need to know outside of the 600 million global users, the average age is 30 to 55 with a yearly income of $100,000 a year or more. But you're also allowed 30,000 organic connections. I've grown my network from about 500 to nearly 28,000 in the last three and a half years. But people also have to understand that 80% of all business to business leads are generated through LinkedIn. 80%, this is, this is a fact, 80% of all B2B leads are generated on LinkedIn. But it's also the number one place for content creators to distribute content, 94%. And 93% of all online B2B marketers consider LinkedIn the number one tool for marketing their business and their brand. But here's the other thing. So there's a lot of people listening that say, well, you know, I'm not 30 to 55. I'm millennial, right? 87 million millennials are now on LinkedIn because in, even they are seeing the changes to Facebook and Instagram. So nearly 13% of the contingency of LinkedIn is now millennial age. But here's the other thing. Facebook, 
What people need to know, there's a big difference. Facebook is the barbecue of social media. That's where people go to hang out. Instagram is the Bravo TV of social media. That's where you go to look at other people's lives. It's a reality TV show. But LinkedIn is a global networking event every single time you log on. So why Matt said, you know, your profile should be number one. Absolutely. That's the first thing that people see. So here's what happened. When Microsoft bought them out nearly five years ago, they embedded SEO onto all of our profiles. And for those that don't know what that is, it's search engine optimization. So if you go on Google and you search for Scott Aaron, one of the first things that you're going to see is actually my LinkedIn profile because LinkedIn now talks to Google, Yahoo, and Bing. It's a search engine. People are on there. Search. I got hired by someone yesterday because they searched for someone that does what I do on LinkedIn. And I came up because my profile is optimized. So you need to make sure. So I call this the layer cake of LinkedIn. So if you want to picture a wedding cake, you have the big base at the bottom, and then you have the three tiers. The big base is your profile. Every section has to be filled out. A proper headshot, a background photo that is branded to you, a proper headline. You're not selling and pitching. And I love when people have this, Matt. Um, they they in their in their headline under their photo, they're immediately pitching people. Uh, hire me to help you do this. I help people do that. Listen, people don't care about what you do or how you do it. They care about why you do it. And that's where you're going to use the about me section to tell people why it is you do what you do. So if you're going to write a proper headline, list all the different things that you do. So if anyone goes to my profile on LinkedIn, it'll say podcast host, best-selling author, lead generation specialist, human connection specialist, all the things that I do. But making you sure need to get you need to get attention. You need to get attention and get someone to want to click. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that if you're trying to like the pitch too early, like that annoys me. Um, it actually makes me not want to accept your connection because I think I fully expect after I click the button to accept your connection request to be solicited. And I, that drives me nuts. Like, I mean, buy me a drink first, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying like no, no, do I something mean. and, and, that, and, that, and you talk about automated crap. So like the one thing that I've learned, and, and by the way, if you Google Matt DeCourcy, the very first listing that comes up is in fact, my LinkedIn profile of which I list myself as the startup hustle podcast host, million dollar bedroom author and full scale.io founder. Now, some, the reason is because I have to assume that at my two-year-old business, even though I have 200 employees already, that you're not, that the fullscale.io founder is not the attention grabber. Startup Hustle podcast host seems a lot more interesting. Oh, I click this. Look, your goal with this is just to, look, I'm an interesting, credible, or value, potentially valuable person to be, for you to be connected with. And it, it, like you said, if you're, if you're like pitching in your headline, dude, it's over. Like you're not, you're, you're not getting in front of people the way that you need to. So the, what I've always learned is just put your most interesting shit up front. Like what, what a pe I, I don't necessarily like being known as the startup hustle guy in Kansas city to many. I am, cause I'd rather be the full scale guy. That's actually where I like move mountains and do stuff, but you know, along the, but it is what it is. So put your most interesting stuff up front. The same thing with an author. Now, I, now million dollar bedroom, people are fascinated with that title. They're like, what's in the bedroom? I don't know. Buy a copy and find out, you know? So some of that, and I agree now let's go on. Cause about the about part, I think that's where you should be immediately talking about what you're passionate about. It's not, about, not just, a, not just a rest, not just your CV slash resume. Like, what are you passionate about? Like, I mean, literally mine says the startup puzzle podcast started as a need to complain about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. 
it's why we started the show, man. Yeah, I, I mean, like, that, but that's, that's you know, yeah. you go back to the golden circle by Simon Sinek. People do not care about what you do or how you do it. They care about why you do it, and you have to let them Correct. know. And, and that's what Correct. the that's what the about people that put their contact info and their email and their phone number and their about me section. It's I'm sorry, it's not a yellow page listing. It's it's nope. your it's your way. I call it unzipping yourself to someone that doesn't know you. You want to bring them as close to you as possible without having to sell or pitch, but it is all about credibility. So, you know, making sure that your experience section is filled out from top to bottom, listing all the things that you currently do or you previously did. Those are all key words. Uh, making sure that the, the education section is completely filled out, licenses and certifications, volunteer experience, having all 50 skills and endorsements listed, but the number one section that is completely overlooked and underutilized is the personal recommendation section. So the recommendation section on LinkedIn, I call it the Better Business Bureau of LinkedIn. This is where people go to check your credibility. So if someone was to go to my recommendation section, there's over 430 written recommendations that I've gathered over the last few years of people that have spoken about my credibility and my authoritative figure in the marketplace that says, yes, this guy knows what he's doing. So I don't have to sell anything because I know I know what I'm doing and I have at least 430 people that are also saying, yes, he knows what he's doing. So I do have a free download on my website, scottaaron.net, which Matt actually mentioned earlier in the episode. You literally, show notes. Yeah, you literally just go to the show notes or or my my website. There's It says free infographic, put your name and email and you get delivered a, uh, it's six tips to perfecting your profile. But making sure, and, and how do you get those recommendations? Literally just click on the button that says ask for recommendation and start with friends, family, coworkers, clients, ex-coworkers, ex-clients, people that you know, like, and trust that will write a nice recommendation for you. So if your profile is not filled out properly, you're invisible and you'll know you're invisible because everyone has a dashboard on their profile. And that's it's uh, above the about me section. And you'll see something that says, how many people have visited your profile, how many searches you've appeared in, and if you've made a post, how many people saw it. If those numbers are glaringly low, you are invisible and you have no chance of gaining visibility and building that know, like, and trust with your audience. I, I have a couple things I'd like to add here. So I, I'm a big believer. There's a section right up top that says featured, okay? And that part, like in mine, so you can get to, if you, you should have a video about yourself, like somewhere, somehow something that, and it, for me, it originally started with just like me in front of a camera talking about what I like to do. And then I evolved it a little bit. So like currently <clears throat> I have one link and these, you can just, if you have a YouTube upload, I've got one that, so we made an a just, uh, explainer video that talks about all the things that full scale does and how we do them. And it's less than five minutes long. I have that in there and I have another one related to the to the Startup Hustle podcast. And then below each of those, I have inserted the link, like I'm the CEO and co-founder of Fullscale, that link, it, that video is there as well. So, it, you know, one of the things that, you know, my, like Scott mentioned, okay, so let's say you manage to not be invisible. What happens if you get people to come to your page? Like now what? You know, like there's no better time. Like, okay, before we hit record, I mentioned to Scott, I'm like, well, we'll suggest, I, we always suggest that you click the link in the show notes because there's no better time to get you as a listener to do that than right now. Yeah. Because you're already here. You're, if we got to get you to come back, you well, the, the statistics show you're probably not coming back to listen to this episode again after you've heard it. So be, be prepared. And these things like matter, like the thumbnails that you're using, all of this stuff. And then one thing that I really want to encourage people to do is always is check your profile and the way that it shows up in web and mobile. Okay, because a lot of people make the, they're like, oh, I got this cool header and then they don't ever look at it in mobile and they realize it looks like total shit because their own picture is overlapping or it's too small. Like, keep it simple. And, and one other thing, when it comes to your about section, don't write a freaking book, people like put a couple bullet points. Don't make it too long. So no one reads. Okay. So the profile, hopefully some of these tips matter. I like your point. I don't, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't have any quote recommendations. I'm endorsed by like a gazillion people for a gazillion things. 
but there, I, and I realized while you were talking about it, the reason I'm probably not quote, uh, recommended. And these are quotes about you is I'm not asking people to recommend me. Got to ask. Like ask, like the idea that pe- everyone's just going to go out of their way to write these gleaming recommendations about you is not going to happen. You and get what I, you I mean, for, and so. I, I have people that just have gone and written them for me without me asking. Sure. Great. But I always, I, I try to initiate, but not, not the best way to populate those. No, though. just and, ask and some people, just right. ask people. Um, but as far as the featured things, if someone goes to my profile, I have three featured things. And they're all ways for me to connect with people outside of LinkedIn, and they're all free. One is to listen to my podcast. The second is to schedule a 15-minute discovery call. And the third is my free infographic. So right on your LinkedIn page, it acts just like a website, and you can direct people wherever you want to direct them to. It's, it's brilliant, but people aren't utilizing it the right way. So part of why I think this is important as well is so a few years ago, I really, you know, I, I wrapped my arms around the concept that if I ever wanted to get a hold of someone that didn't know who I was, uh, they, they're going to Google you. And, you know, like I, I'm well aware that my LinkedIn page shows up first. Uh, you look at other things like I've actually gone and set my stuff up in Google. You can see all three books I've written, all these different things. This stuff matters because it's back to that impression. It shows that you're serious about what you do. Now, in regards to all right, so the next, the neck in the in harnessing the power of LinkedIn. Next, you have you you have you feel you're passionate about finding your avatar. What does that mean? Hmm. Well, I always tell people you have to think about the end in mind when you're on LinkedIn. So who is the ideal person that you can connect with? Who is the ideal person that you can collaborate with? Who is your customer or client? Who's that person? So when you can define exactly who that avatar is, then you'll know exactly how to build your network. So for me, when I started my online business, it was a lot of wellness professionals personal trainers, nutritionists, gym owners, because that's what I did. And that's what I knew. So I knew that I would have the most relatable conversation with a stranger that had the same business background as me, because we would share a lot of relatable points. So the mistake that people make is that they just connect with anyone and everyone. One one of uh, my first mentors, Susan Sly, she said to me when she first started mentoring me years ago, She said to me, Scott, you got to wake up every single morning, look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, how am I going to connect with myself today? And it was this light bulb moment. I'm like, oh my God, that's it. I'm not looking for anyone. I'm looking for that person that I'll have the greatest relatable, relatable conversation with without ever speaking to them. So while you're listening to this, write down who your ideal client is, who is your ideal customer and whatever you write down on that piece of paper Use the search engine on LinkedIn to go find them and go connect with them and build your network that looks like the ideal person that you want to talk to, connect with, and do business with. So I, 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 will, I will support your statements with three examples for myself. CEOs, founders, and those are often different people. Right. And then third, for me, I use LinkedIn for recruiting employees. So um, uh, half of my 200 employees found out about our company and our openings and everything from me through LinkedIn. And think about that. I have populated half of my 200 person company by recruiting through LinkedIn. Now, what's the value of that? Right. If I had to pay a headhunter or recruiter or a lot of different things, like a lot of different people, like, let's take that times a hundred. And so I've I've been able to do significant things with that and that, but those are three different types of people because there are who are your potential clients, but also who do you want to reach? Like who or what, who, what, where, and how can you accomplish anything? And like you said, you got to have some kind of plan. Like we don't have to get into 10,000 cliche state uh, statements, but you know, like you talk about also that let's talk about building the network because you alluded to that a little bit. Uh, you know, look, a connection that doesn't like it's not about quantity here. This is not quality. In my opinion is about qual- quality. Now, you mentioned you have twenty eight thousand connections. I had close to that at one point, and I've actually been thinning them out because they too. cut you off at thirty k. Correct. Well, and, you can have, you can have uh, followers, but I am very yeah. 
very strategic yeah. and very specific. So, so here's just to just to piggyback off that, Matt. If someone sends me a connection request, right, and they connect with me, and I send them a message wanting to hop on a discovery call to learn about each other's businesses to see what introductions we can do, how we can connect and collaborate, and they're too quote unquote busy to get on the phone or a Zoom, or they don't respond, I remove them as a connection. I don't want, I, I just follow me. Just click the follow button. Don't send me a connection request if you're not gonna be willing to get on the phone with me. And, the, and I understand, Matt, the reason why a lot of people don't wanna get on the phone with people is because they think they're gonna be sold to, and that's because that there's some bad sales tactics. I, I specifically, and we'll get into the one layer of this, which is messaging people, the proper way to message people, but again, you have to earn a spot in my network. I want to collaborate. I want to connect. And if you can't make time for me, you, your people tell you by their non-actions what's most important to them. I, this is not Facebook. This is not Instagram. You're not just looking to boast your numbers. That's not what it's about. It's about really pouring into other people and truly leaving them better, whether it's doing an introduction or seeing how you can help each other. Yeah, you know, the, the thing that I think too many people don't understand about relationships in general is that you, look, it's kind of like a bank account. And you can, if you go down to your local bank where you haven't made any deposits and you're waving a withdrawal slip at the, at the teller window, they're not going to give you shit because you haven't made any deposits. And like with the building the network, the things that drive me nuts is if you, if I connect to you, and immediately you're soliciting me, I, I remove the connection because that is a selfish connection. Like, what can you do to provide value? Like, I actually every day for years have systematically reached out to targeted groups of people. The one thing I certainly never do is automated bullshit. Like I can smell it from a hundred miles away. Yep. The thing I find amazing too is how many people, okay, so I own a business that sells software development services. I get a couple solicitations a day. People like, we would love to help you with your web development needs. I'm like, are you fucking stupid? I'm your competitor. Well, not even that. Like, you, but, do, do you know how many people reach out to me? Do you need help generating leads on LinkedIn? Yeah. What yeah, the, have you read my bio at all? Have you read my book? Have you listened to anything that I'm right. like? So people, right. they're so just they're just. I, I will, I will, I will reply sharply occasionally. Like it depends on what kind of a mood I'm in. And now yeah. I quit. I quit. So I, it, in when it comes to sales, I believe in two four letter words: sold and next. Yeah. So I kind of quit caring. I just now remove the connection. So, it, you know, one of the things is is you mentioned that automated crap. Like there's things you can automate for purposes of business efficiency. And then there's things that you can't. And like people smell that a mile away. Like no one, look, no one replies to the automated crap because it just, it looks like junk. There's no personal, it, there's no personalization. There's no relationship building there. It's nothing. It's like, you know, and, and I'm not even sure I want the client that would reply to that. So, you know, typically when it comes to uh, like building my network and I feel like I've been really effective with it is I'm not even going to consider contacting you for days, if not weeks. Like I want that connection to sit and not, I don't want to be the person that hammered you that moment after you hit connect. If, <sighs> If you're listening, and, and we're kind of we're kind of moving in, we're kind of moving into your next pillar yeah. about messaging here. Yeah, it, so it, it, I mean, it, we can kind of straddle the line because they go they go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, for the listeners, if you are currently paying a service that is connecting and messaging for you on LinkedIn, I'm just going to be honest and I'm going to be truthful. Garbage. Cancel the <laughs> cancel the service. Yeah. You are literally getting ripped off. What it, it do you know? I generate twenty five organic conversation leads every week, and I spend a total, a total of three hours a week on LinkedIn. If that 15, 20 minutes a day, that's it. And all, I, I know people that are paying like six hundred a month, 
No one should ever handle your connections and your messages because like you said, Matt, if it doesn't pass the smell test, I'm not responding to it. And I actually reply. If someone sends me a, a message and I can tell it's one of those verbal vomit, 18 paragraph long sales pitches, I will actually reply back. Hi, so-and-so, is this an automated message? And if I don't get a response back, it is because that's that actually throws off the trigger of the automation that they have set up. Never automate yourself. Matt, people are automating the most important aspect of that business, and that is that person. You are the driver. But but here's the thing. So the third layer and the most important, this is well, where the- well, 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 hang on one thing. I have actually used, and I don't use it anymore, but at one point I did have an automation tool, but it, all, all it did was help keep me organized. So I could, I could create search criteria and narrow it down to specific people. And it would help, it was helping me organize my own connection efforts. Cause you know, like if you search CEO, you're going to get like a gazillion responses and you, so like, you know, and, and part of what I had done, cause like I said, I try to be systematic about it, like focusing on different markets and stuff like this. So th this tool helped me gather who, I wanted to reach and who I, it just made things a little easier, but I, it, none of it was about automated messaging. Um, now at the same time, I might seem a little automated because part of how with recruitment is I do have a couple messages that are basically, but still introduce myself in a personal way. It's like, um, talking about the opportunity that we have to offer. And it really leads to some, like, I don't mind doing those messages because I'm immediately providing value to the recipient. I'm like, Hey, look, we have opportunities that exist in your industry and your career field. If, if you're interested in exploring them, click this link. And for us, we, that's for our developers that starts with them doing a simple assessment. And that's how we screen them. Now, uh, one of the things that is is a little time consuming, and I try to kind of like bridge the gap here, is a lot of applicants reply and kind of want to chat it up a little bit. And I have to try to limit my time with that because the here's the thing is the assessments that we give are your barrier to entry. If you can't pass one of them, then you don't get an interview. So you have to, you know, you have to kind of bridge that gap about when, it's productive to have a conversation when you're talking to a robot and when you should just say next. Yeah. Okay. So you had another point there. Go ahead. Well, I, I created something called the magic formula and anyone can I like it. I like it already just cause it's magic. Anyone can follow this methodology to whatever business you own or, you know, anything that you're doing. And there's three steps. The first step is whenever you're going to message someone, mention their name. You know, so it would be, you know, hey, Matt, great to be connected to you. I know it sounds very, very simple, but sometimes simple is the best. The second thing you're going to do, I call it lowering the drawbridge. So if anyone can picture a drawbridge, that's when a drawbridge comes up, the boats could go and fit underneath, and then the drawbridge comes down. So you have to lower the drawbridge with that person that doesn't know you by creating a relatable point between you and that person where it can lower the drawbridge and they can walk across closer to you. So if I was connecting with Matt, I would say, you know, Matt, great to be connected to you. I noticed that you had a business podcast, as do I. Would love to hear about it. Share more about mine to see how we can support each other here on LinkedIn. Now, I've done two things. Number one, I've lowered the drawbridge and I created that connecting point between myself and Matt. But number two, I used one of the most powerful words in the English language. And that word is support. It has been scientifically proven that when someone hears the word support, it triggers the brain to create a hormone, a chemical called oxytocin, which is our feel-good brain chemical. So when someone is reading this message, they're feeling good, just like dopamine or cortisol or endorphins or even... Well, it's, it's the same thing as offering value. It's like, hey, like that's a, a, a type of support. You're, you're offering to make a deposit before you show up at the window with a withdrawal slip. Like, I mean, exactly. here's the thing, man, I'm 45 years old and I learned this a long time ago. Like I pride myself as not being, I don't ask for shit, but when I do, it's because I actually have a meaningful request, you know? And I, and I, I I'm, it's kind of funny cause 
I really don't. I hold back like I've and hold back and hold back and hold back and hold back and hold back. And I think that that's the right approach, because in some cases with so many people, you get to ask once and it should matter. And you want to like I, I just like providing value. Like, what can I do to support you? What can I do to help you? I want to either help you sell more, spend less, find more peace of mind or maybe just be a colleague like you mentioned, like so CEOs founders like hey look wait we have a secret uh, uh founder society that we it's truly imaginary but you can picture this we call it tears and beers because sometimes a founder just needs to go in a safe place and either get drunk or cry or maybe do both yeah and like i said that's a fictional club but i know a lot of founders that like they're going to, they want to talk to someone that's been through the shit that they've been through. Cause it's a relatability thing. And, you know, and then sometimes it's also like helping someone solve a problem, but not being like, if you buy, 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 by Sunday, we're at 25% off, you know, crap like that. That doesn't work. Yeah. Like, you know, the thing is, is like, what's a, what's a problem in your business that I can help you solve? Now, if you ask that in the first five minutes of connection, I'm going to honestly say, fuck you. Who are you? Now, on the flip side of it, like sit back, like pay attention to what's going on, interact with people's posts on and you can find a situation because people on are on LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff, they're off, often expressing their need for help when it comes to something. And if you're paying attention to what's going on, that's a good time. That's for me, that's when I'll actually message. I'll be like, yeah. so I noticed that you were you were saying that you needed developers for a certain project. Um, you know, that's something that we do and I might be able to provide some value for it. And then one thing I always do in that situation is I always like, it's that typical call to action thing, but I'm the founder of gigabook.com. It's on, it's, it's online booking. Like, here's my link. If you're interested, pick a time, let's chat, make it real easy. I don't want to burden people with having a 12 minute conversation with me before giving them that, you know, Hey, let's just get straight to the point. Right. So it's a bit of a challenge. Like you want to try to bridge the abrupt and the like, Hey, I'm too chatty. Cause that's not great either. Yeah. But I mean, that that's for me, that's when I'm going to engage a message is like at that time, rather than the, yeah. I think if you send anything that, I don't know if it looks automated, it is. Yeah. Well, so, all right. Well, and the most important part is, is the third aspect of the message is a CTA a call to action. If, if yep. your questions lead to answers, statements lead to nowhere. So if I, if I just say, Matt, let me know when's good for you. He's never going to let me because I haven't asked. But if I said, do you have any time this week or next week for a call? He's going to respond back if he does. So the simple analogy that I tell people is you have to ASK to GET. You have to ask in order to get. And honestly, you can craft that message any which way you want. But if you truly follow those three steps, you're going to get a high response rate. Yeah. And I don't even ask that. I don't say, are you available? I'm saying it, here's the times I'm available. Pick one. Yeah. And look, the people are busy. They don't want to sit. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to do chitty chat, chitty chat bullshit in the messenger feature of LinkedIn or right. really anywhere else. Yep. Like the, just, you know, that and that's the thing is like, you also don't lead with that. Like schedule an appointment. I've got stuff to talk to you about. That's not a great approach either. So, okay. So, so we, the next part is, is something I, I'm really high on. Um, you're a huge advocate of content creation. Now, obviously as a podcast host and an author, we're both content creators. We do a lot of stuff. I think that, uh, the creation of content, especially on a, on a platform by platform basis requires different thought and different approach. Um, LinkedIn, especially like, look, LinkedIn's a business networking platform. You shouldn't be posting pictures of your dinner. Um, that's not really the way to do it, yep. but what are some of the, what, what are you, what's your take on creating content? The, the, some do's and don'ts. Well, number one, if you're going to create content, create one piece of content a day. And I, I don't care if it's a post, if it's a video or an article, make sure that you're creating one new piece of content every single day. Now, the second thing, if you're going to create content, make sure it does one of two things. It informs your audience about maybe something they didn't know, or it educates them on something maybe new, inventive, or something that is value added to the business or profession they're, they're a part of. The big thing is you never, ever, you never, ever 
want to sell or pitch or post links or join this webinar, all you're looking to do is to add value to someone's life. So Matt, I always tell people, put yourself in the passenger seat instead of the driver's seat. So don't put content out there because it's what you want to say and it's because you want to talk about it. Think about what your network needs to hear. Think about what content you could produce that's going to leave them better. They're going to take something that you taught them and they're going to add it to their life and it's going to leave them better than when you first found them. So instead of speaking about things that you want to constantly talk about, talk about things that you know that's going to leave your audience better. I think another thing with content and you talk about, so Seth Godin's a pretty well-known author. We mentioned Simon Sinek earlier, but Seth wrote a book called Tribes. And if you can get people to interact with your content to the point where they're having as meaningful of an experience with each other as they are with you, you're winning. You are winning. And there are ways to do that. You see some people do it effectively, but the people that, that effectively get interaction and action on their post are typically inciting some kind of, of question or conversation or something where people can provide value. And sometimes, so I have these, uh, uh, I had our marketing department make these little business cards that ask some interesting questions that create conversation. And some of them are just entertaining. Some of them are not, but like, I'll give you an example, like what makes your business different? Uh, what's your entrepreneur superpower? Um, if, if there was an owner's manual about you, what would it say? And some of this stuff is, you know, like I said, like, here's the thing is it's interesting. Now, some of those things, uh, you know, other things too, is providing value. Like I have one that I've, and I post these in different places, but, uh, tag someone that you want to do business with. I'm literally like saying, Hey, like take a shot. And, you know, just different things. But if you can get people in, if you can get people to interact with these things, then you're onto something. Now with LinkedIn, their algorithm is very interesting because the more people that are liking or sharing it, they will, a LinkedIn post can be shown for weeks on end. Facebook typically buries your shit after a couple of days, oh, even I, if it's popular. I posted, but LinkedIn, uh, will, LinkedIn will go forever. Yeah, I, I posted, uh, I, I got married uh, about 10 days ago. And, um, you know, I, I always, as much as I talk about business on LinkedIn, it's it's my responsibility to also humanize myself to my network. I want them to know me and I want them to be along for my journey in life and in business. And I, you know, I, I shared a, a wedding picture of myself and my wife, who's also on LinkedIn, and it's still getting engagement today it people are still liking and commenting and i posted that a week ago last sunday so it is complete completely different than facebook uh and instagram now you know on the flip side i i do real well on facebook to be honest with you oh, I, I mean uh, i do too but, i love facebook i just yeah i know yeah, how to I, use I, it but it is a, it's way different yeah. um and you know the, another thing too is you know you talk about the limitation of audience size and interaction facebook stops you at five thousand, yep. and um, you know, there's a different, there's a different way of getting to know people. Now, one of the things that I tell people when it comes to relationships and content and interaction with other people is do yourself a favor and exclude sex, politics, and religion from your posts. Um, you have, uh, you have a much greater chance of alienating someone than you do of befriending them. And with any of those topics, I try to steer clear of them altogether. Um, and, you know, there's just a case in point is let's just say, and I'm not a religious person, but let's say Scott is and I am, but we we're like, oh, we're both religious. We must agree on everything. You don't. Same thing with politics. Like, dude, I got to tell you, like, I have literally excluded people from business opportunities for the bullshit that they post online. I'm like, you're a fucking hater, man. Like, and you know, it's like they surprise you and you're not doing yourself any favors. And honestly, people really don't care that much about like, are you the president? Cause if you're not, I don't want to hear your four times a day dissertation 
about why he's right or wrong. Like I, and, and I'm, you know, like I get it. I have my issues with a lot of things, but I realize that I'm not, it does, it's not an endearing quality. Yeah. Like statistically with politics, you got a 50, 50 shot of pissing someone off with other things. And then with the sex part, that's just not, dude, just avoid it. It's not what you should be online talking about. So, um, you know, keep in mind that your ability to, to alienate is way stronger than your ability to get people in line. So, you know, another thing with, with content is, uh, you know, and the, I'm a big advocate of this is look, content for the sake of creating content is not effective. Like do it right. Uh, you have a, if you have an iPhone, like the current one, you have a 4k camera, video camera in your, in your pocket, you know, like put yourself in a spot where you're not in the dark, that's quiet and do it right. If that's all you've got, like, I mean, I'm even my, my videos that I post on LinkedIn are shot on my phone and yeah, sure. They're studio quality. They look fine. I'm sure they look fine. Yeah, Yeah, That's my point. But people don't don't often don't do that. And that, you know, like find some light, find a, a quiet space. Uh, you know, people show up for this podcast occasionally. And I'm like, are you in the bottom of a well? You know, like, and that's the thing though. It's like, you know, so people ignore content that is that is that has bad video and bad sound quality. You can get away with it. Look, everyone knows that you're not in Hollywood and you don't have the MGM grant, the MGM studio there at your disposal. But at the same time, if it's like gutter and like one of the things that I find to be annoying is the walking video. Like you're walking, it's bouncing. It looks like crap. It sounds terrible. Like if you're going to do that, spend $99 and get yourself a little gimbal that will at least keep the frame steady. So there's just different stuff like that. And then, and then one thing I think the cardinal error that people make with content creation is they take way too long to make a point or get me interested, like lead with the need people get it right up front. Are you having a hard time getting this, 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 or that to occur? Okay. So you, if I am, you got my attention, but the opposite of that is like, hi, this is Matt DeCourcy. I'm the CEO and founder of blah, 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 blah. Cause that's exactly what people start hearing. You have like three seconds at most to get someone's attention. So also in your video, don't put a freaking 20 second intro. That's like, I mean, okay. If you're Gary V and you have a, a gazillion followers, people will sit through that, but you're not probably. So get right to the point, like one second at best, or put it in the corner, watermark it, do something, but lead with the need, get someone's attention. And you have to, with your content, you need to, you need to provide value. You have to help someone once again, if you can help in on LinkedIn, if you can help people sell more, spend less, or preferably do both. And then don't undervalue peace of mind. You cannot put a price tag on peace of mind. So if you can help someone get peace of mind in their business or in however, uh, that will often outrank the value of selling more or spending less. Cause really in the end, people just want to not live a life of aggravated everything. Okay. So we made it through, we could, I could sit in until we could, this could be like a three hour episode, (laughs) but uh, you know, so if you want, if you want to learn more about Scott, Click the links in the show notes. He's got a lot of great stuff out there. Uh, find him on LinkedIn. Don't be a jerk and solicit don't, don't him send right me away. a spam the, message. Just send me a genuine. The connection message. won't last. They won't last. Now we end our episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the Founders Freestyle. So we will each take a moment here to encapsulate or conclude any points or things that we needed to make. What are your closing arguments today, sir? The one thing that I always tell people is no matter what business you're in, it's the law of conversation. So at the end of the day, the person that's going to speak to the most people, impact the most people is the one that's going to create the best business that's going to impact the most people. And as 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 we continue in life, and especially during this interesting 2020 where the pandemic has kind of taken things over for, for a, a good number of people, uh, you know, not that, not myself, because we live in the solution, not in the problem. Uh, it, it's all it's all about moving forward every single day, whether it's a millimeter or a mile. 
and trying to figure out what exactly is going to to need to happen to move that needle forward. And I'll, I'll leave you with two final thoughts. Number one, failures always open the doors to your successes. So the more often that you're willing to fail, the more often you're going to be willing to succeed. And never forget that there are millions upon millions of ways of how to succeed. And there's only truly one way to fail, and that's to quit. Never quit. You are guaranteed to find a way to succeed. Uh, well said. Um, overall, and I'll just kind of, I'm going to get real rudimentary here. So LinkedIn, if you want to use it effectively, LinkedIn has limits. Like you can send about a hundred connection requests in a day. Uh, that might even be down. I think at one point it was a little higher. You can send so many messages. You can so many things. If you want to be successful with LinkedIn, you want to build an audience, you want to do things, you, you got to make sure you, you mess with it every day. Uh, you got to, you know, cause here's the thing is, is if you can only send 100 connection requests a day, every day that you don't, you're missing out on 100 opportunities to get yourself in front of the people that you might want to talk to. You can't just show up one day and, and request 15,000 connections. It's not the way it works. The system won't let you, and it's not even a possibility. So, you know, put a little bit of organization and thought behind it. For me personally, uh, we mentioned who we want to build for our audience. I, I Mine are CEOs founders or uh, oftentimes people that would end up working for my company full scale. So I have to systematically approach that each day. I make sure I get my, my connection requests out and do a, a bunch of different stuff and that you operate within the limits that LinkedIn offers. Um, you know, one of the things is, is just like anything else, man, it's just like practice. Like it's about having a routine and it's about how bad do you want it? Uh, if you want to eat an elephant, you have to do that one bite at a time. So uh, pretty much anything that you want to accomplish or do is just like that. Too many people look at things as once the, their goals as a singular action, when really it's about a, a whole lot of blocks that have piled up or stacked on top of each other so you can climb to the top and finally reach that goal. So break it down to figure out where you want to be, be systematic in your approach. Like I will like, well, earlier today, I was, uh, uh, I'm trying to reach out to other podcast hosts. So I've got a list of all the cities that I want to uh, relate to peers in. And I've been kind of just taking some time each day and going down that list. And I keep track of it in a Google sheet. And I've got a list of cities I want to look at. I've got a list of keywords that I search and I get through one city and then I move to the next and it's off the list. And that is what it is. So, I mean, it's not hard. Uh, but once again, and I think the, 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 one of the big keys from today is, you know, get away from the automated crap. No one pays attention to it. Like you're wasting your time. And honestly, on some levels, you're just kind of embarrassing yourself. So, um, and take a couple minutes to look at what someone does before you reach out to them. Cause like I said, the thing that I just blows me away is the solicitations that I get for people that are trying to sell me, they're, they're actually my competitors and they don't care because they're spamming. Uh, but my point is, is don't be in that group of people. So, well, anyway, man, thanks for joining me. I'm going to get to work because I'm not done making my connection requests for the day. So I'll see you next time. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.